Welcome everyone to another episode of The Roman Show, the last one for the month of January 2021 to kick off the week on uh, January 24th and we're excited. We're excited because we are going to welcome a, a band that perhaps you, maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't. Either way, we give you uh, that first listen and understanding of the band. That's Ascent Like Wolves joining us right here on The Roman Show Coming up next, that and a whole lot more. Step down to the get down. All right, whenever you're ready. You're ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in space. Booster, go. Retro, go. Vital, go fly. Guidance, surgeon, go fly. Econ, we're go fly. GNC, we're going. Tell me you go. Control, go. Go, go. FAO. The Roman Show with your host, Rodolfo. Welcome back, everyone. It's another episode of The Roman Show. Appreciate the love and the support. Uh, let me just take a little cup of coffee here on uh, this morning as I record this podcast. But I like to remind everyone that this program is brought to you by our good friends of Fusion CBD. That's FusionCBDproducts.com is the website. I've used these products myself. The aches and the pains and the soreness makes it all go away thanks away thanks to fusion cbd that's fusioncbdproducts.com shave your pubes down there gentlemen valentine's is around the corner we have to make a good presence head on over to manscaped.com and purchase your manscaped lawnmower to show and have a very good look uh, when you get down to action you hear me talk about it all the time. The Soul Right, P S O R I T E. That's Soul Right, a very easy tool to use, very simple and very effective. In fact, one of the guys that support this product is Michael Chandler, who made his UFC debut on this weekend's UFC pay per view. And we'll talk about that later on today. So head on over right now, P S O hyphen R I T E. That's Soul Right. And lastly, gentlemen, we talked about shaving. Well, you got to smell fresh. And you got to get yourself a bottle of Ball Wash. That's Ball Wash, a very, very amazing product that makes you just feel all right. Head on over now, ballwash.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. We're back at it again. Last one of the month of January of 2021 as this year already started with a bang if you want to say maybe that's a little too harsh but it started very challenging to say the least and everyone thought that we were going to have a break from 2020 it's not the case still things are still not quite and as pretty as you might have predicted or wanted so we have to just stay the course, stay positive. That's all we can do. Hell, we're already almost half a million dead in the United States due to the uh, Chinese or coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. And uh, 
you know it's just now a, a matter of ourselves taking care of each other it's still to this day I, I don't understand why people are just selfish they want to celebrate their birthdays and their I don't know retirement parties or whatever the hell and they invite their friends over without masks with no social distance one person brings the coronavirus and boom, there goes them dying. Down goes that person. Hell, in fact, I read a story in San Diego where they were celebrating the birthday for a 75-year-old. And he was the first one to go. Someone brought the virus and unfortunately this man got the coronavirus from the person that came to over to his house to celebrate the birthday. And unfortunately he got covid and he died. Speaking of death, unfortunately, the late, the legendary Larry King passed away. I was a very fond um, follower or, or really appreciated Larry King for what he did as a journalist. Uh, he, he set the bar when it came to interviews. When you, when you tuned in to CNN and watched Larry King's show... Uh, it, it, it was it was it, it wasn't news. It was just a conversation. It was a talk, and that's what really set him apart. Although there's some debate that Howard Stern is the best interviewer of all time, and it's true, he's the best and one of the best. But you got to give credit where credit is due, and that's Larry King. He's 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 been at this for a very long time as well. Either way, the man passed away, 87 years old. He had the COVID-19, although they're not saying that that's what killed him. But he had been diagnosed or received the virus back uh, in December last year. And uh, unfortunately, well, he passed away, Larry King, at uh, 87 years old. Interviewed some of the greats. Uh, really did not step back. And remember he interviewed Chris Jericho. Uh, when they had the conversation. About Chris Benoit. When he passed away. Due to the. Uh, the they, they, they blamed the. Uh, steroids and so forth. Uh, but. Yeah, the, the guy. And the guy kept going. He, he held the show afterwards. In another. Uh, station or network. He interviewed Jericho again, uh, and he's other. He's interviewed other other athletes and and musicians, including hell Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Who would have thought that? Uh, but he he left. He definitely left a legacy here, and much appreciate what he did to the world, in the world of professional professionalism and journalism. Um, he he interviewed the creme de la creme when it came to top politicians and world leaders. People who wouldn't want to speak to our leaders, he spoke to. He brought them to the table and spoke to them on TV. He was not about standing sides or, or supporting one side or the other. He just wanted to have a conversation. And one thing I noticed or heard during um, the coverage of his death is that he never... Read a book if he was interviewing someone like an author. He just, boom, let's go, let's talk. 
And I found that approach quite interesting because, you know, when I have an interviewer here, when I have an interview, I, I take my time and I, I research and take a look. But this man, live TV, CNN, one hour, doesn't read anything. He always wanted to treat these interviews as a normal conversation as if you were to meet a stranger on the street. And I think that's a great approach and something that perhaps maybe is not used anymore. Because we're so, uh, we want to show that we know. But in all honesty, it's the person who knows everything because that's a person that's being uh, interviewed or on the spotlight. So quite interesting approach from Larry King and, and much to learn about him. Uh, so if you are a journalist student or if you are a person who loves journalism just because for the hell of it or likes uh, um, history of media, uh, Larry King definitely will go down as a, a legendary person in this world of this profession. All right. Let's pick stuff up here, huh? Let, let's, let's line ourselves up. So uh, let's talk about a little pro wrestling first. The Undertaker went on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast and it was like a three-hour conversation. Three hours. Talked about all different things. And one thing that really caught my attention was that he found that the current product, uh, he, he had a few words about it, but he said, he commented that it was, quote, soft. That it was not the same anymore. Not only the product, but the men in the locker room. He said that he walked into the locker room and back in the day, there were just men, you know, healing their wo- their wounds. Uh, their wounds are, or, or, or men being men. And now he walks into a locker room and it's people playing video games. Now, I can attest to that. I am not as old as uh, The Undertaker. But I was in a locker room not too long ago in the in one of these independent shows. And you're right. <laughs> some, some of these dudes uh, are not. They're just some of them are childish. They're not manly men, as uh, The Undertaker states. Seems like we're, we're, we're getting away from that look, feel, ambience. Sure, we change with time. But for men, we do need our manliness. Whether it's pro wrestling or, 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 or anything. And see this. And I'll go out here and say it right here on, on the spot. But maybe I get some, some backlash after this. But whatever. Who cares? Uh, I've been a ring announcer for, for um, mixed martial arts, boxing, combat sports. Hell, even football, believe it or not. And... Uh, I've done a couple of pro wrestling. I was doing Major League Wrestling, some of these independent shows. But I'll be honest, after doing a few, I I, I, I felt a uh, distaste for wrestling because back to what The Undertaker was saying, 
in the locker room, man, it was just a bunch of fighting and whining, and more from the men than the women. The women, the women were cool. I mean, they were they were really focused and, and strategizing their match, but men were just whining and and complaining. Some were talking about video games, taking selfies, recording themselves, putting on their, their boots or their, their fixing their hair or, or putting on some uh, rubbing um, oil, whatever. But that's what they're doing. Instead of maybe doing some squats or maybe stretching, that's what they were doing just almost right before their match. So... I remember telling myself that as a kid, I remember seeing these wrestlers and they were just hardcore, man. They were people that you wanted to grow up to be like. They were men. They were strong. They weren't afraid to get punched in the face or bleed because they knew they they could get right back up on their feet. Instead, now you got a cut in a match. You go in the back and you start complaining and whining why that happened. Instead of just apologizing like, man, moving on. Hey, I'll get you next time. So I can agree with The Undertaker. Of course, not to the level. <laughs> but I can agree. So I, I I told myself when it comes to pro wrestling and announcing, I, I really just had a, a, a different feeling towards it. And not that I won't do it again. But I just felt out of place in that locker room because, again, I didn't see that manliness from these men. Instead of just talking about video games and playing, I don't know, seeing Kumbaya. Instead of focus, being focused and preparing for a battle. And I don't care if it's scripted, but if you have that mentality then you know you're going to have a hell of a match. So I can see where The Undertaker is going with this. And then Drew McIntyre came out and said that he... (laughs) He understood his comment, not that the men were manly, but that the story writing was that... not that path or that route that made the characters seem weak. I tend to agree here with the Undertaker. I'm glad that he 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 didn't hold back and he called these everyone out. Um, to some degree, I do have to agree with Drew McIntyre. It's not their fault. I'm sure that some of them do want to do some great battles inside the ring, but because of the writers, they are basically handcuffed. I agree with that. But at times you could see the softness coming out. So hopefully The Undertaker, as a a veteran and a person with much knowledge in the game, can make his way through in here somehow, some way. And let these people know and understand that, listen, we need to shape up. We need to change our look. We need to change our style. We need to change our approach. And let's give 
these guys are, are, are fans. Some good old pro wrestling. And one guy that, that, that have actually has said something like this is Jim Cornette. He's another guy that has been saying this in a very, in a very long, for a very long time. I know many, I know Jim Cornette gets a lot of heat, but the, the, that is the truth. He's Undertaker's not the person to just say this. There's others who have felt the same. And what goes in the locker room is seen inside the ring. Do you agree with the Undertaker? Do you think that what you see on television or the last time you saw a live event, did you consider it soft? Did you consider it un? entertaining did you consider it boring did you consider it as a, a lack of testosterone when it comes to two men battling did you think that they were just playing around playing hopscotch inside the pro wrestling ring i'd love to hear from you info at the roman show.com that's info at the roman show.com is the website send me a an email or send us a tweet at the roman show facebook is uh, the Roman, Roman Show Media or an Instagram, Roman Show Media. Write your comments. We want to hear you. Is the product soft? And I'm not just talking about WWE. I'm also mentioning AEW. Okay, we've seen AEW. Uh, all these colors and this dancing and this. Let's, let's face it. Wrestling in general. Wrestling in general. Except, except. I want to say the New Japan Pro Wrestling is at a different level. Now, those dudes are crazy. <laughs> Just saying about that. All right, let's move forward here. We're going to welcome Ascent Like Wolves. Coming on right now on the Roman show, Ascent Like Wolves. They uh, are the way from Pennsylvania. They, uh, uh, perhaps you have not heard of the band, but no worries. They have released... Uh, a couple of singles in light of their upcoming album, which is a pro approaching. They released already Poison, the single Poison, Bloom, Death Effect, all being released as we get ready for the anticipation of their latest record uh, coming here in just a few. So coming up next on The Roman Show, the boys of Ascent Like Wolves. <laughs> Welcome back everyone to the Roman show and uh, all the way from Pennsylvania We have the drummer of Ascent like Wolves Cody joining us on the line Their new album drops in February, February 19th to be exact Mystic Auras But they're giving us a little bit of a, a couple of teases already As they've been dropping some songs uh, on uh, your favorite platform there that you use One of them being the most recent one, Poison um, And I gotta tell you, it's a banger Cody, thanks so much for joining us right here on the program. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, man. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we just dropped uh, Poison today. Um, it's our fourth new single for uh, the album that comes out in February. Um, it's, uh, it's on Spotify's uh, new core playlist, the new metal tracks, if you want to check it out. But it's available on all streaming platforms. I, I got to tell you, it, it's definitely... Uh, 
hard-hitting song there, Poison. And, and, and from what I from what I grabbed from it, from what I've read from it, it says it talks about a collapsing relationship. Um, tell me a little bit about the lyrics behind that. I I can really kind of relate to that whole. There's a, a lyric that you say, I, I, I choose to drink the poison. I think that we've been, most of us, some of us have been in relationships where we know it's it's horrible, but we choose to, like you say, drink that poison because for whatever reason, and then hopefully you snap out of it and you realize, man, I should have never drank that thing. Um, but tell me a little bit about that, the, the, the lyrics behind it. And and is it does it hit close to home or, or the band itself or yourself? Um, I think everybody can kind of relate to that. Anybody who's really cared for somebody or been in a relationship where kind of you both kind of you both kind of see that it's falling apart, but like at the same time, like you don't want to have the acceptance of that because you care about each other so much still that you don't want to hurt each other, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the song "Poison" stresses the helpless feelings of a collapsing relationship between two people that were seemingly perfect for one another. Thematically, it also highlights the miscommunications and low points that lead to the situation. All good things must come to an end in the long run. It's a really sad song. <laughs> I, I, I could definitely hear it. So, what's the gist of Mystic Auras? Again, you've released some of the so- some of the singles already, but in a nutshell, what would you see say that that, that you were going for a message you're going for in general with the album as we anticipate its arrival very soon? Um, our, our vocalists, uh, Nick and Al, uh, actually, they're, they're brothers, uh, so that really helps with the collaboration. We have uh, two vocalists. Um, they did a great job at kind of putting the concept behind this album, and I guess the overlying concept, I would say, would be uh, like what drives people's desires in life, whether they be good desires or bad, destriver, uh, bad desires and kind of the destructive nature of all of them. And, and, and can you yourself kind of gets in other words they hit close to home on your end and when they write this the album itself um you say about the the the, the vocalists the brothers that they get together and, and collaborate but how much like like yourself the drummer uh has an input there uh, as far as the lyrics goes yeah for sure i mean these guys are like my brothers in a sense as well um i mean i've Growing with them as well, and I've, I've seen, uh, I've definitely kind of, I know some of the things that they're talking about in their personal life struggles that kind of relate to the music, and uh, I've seen them go through these things that invoke these lyrics. Um, and myself, personally, I mean, I, I've I felt all these things too. I mean, we're kind of a really core group of friends, as well as like a, being in the business of a band as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we, we all kind of relate to all the things that they're saying in all these songs. So 2013, 2016, those were your last albums. How has the band changed or matured over over the time with this album coming into play? Each album, I think, has significant growth, kind of just as we're growing as people and musicians and just kind of like the genres are kind of expanding and innovating on their own. first album in 2013 i actually wasn't on that album i joined the band in 2014 i tracked the frigid future um our 2018 album uh ep spirit vessel and then this new one mystic auras i have a big role in all the writing of that um but and the story goes is kind of like your angsty like metalcore album like pretty straightforward kind of like escape the fate like uh 
almost kind of crab chorus, you know, <laughs> attack, attack kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. Got some features from Franz from Attila on there, which is pretty cool. And uh, Ricky Armolino from uh, the band Mr. Apocalypse. He's now in the band Hulk. Um, then uh, 2016, we kind of, I think, really started to grab hold of what our sound is. Um, Nick, our second vocalist, Al's brother, actually joined the band in uh, right after And the Story Goes was tracked. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually why we ended up reissuing that album with all the mixed vocals on, just because we feel like it didn't really serve our band justice without having mixed uh, screams on there. Um, but yeah, for just future, the 2016 album, um, that's the one I, I started with with them. It, uh, I think it incorporates a lot more technicality. There's like a lot more like, I guess you could say like gen and like kind of prog elements mixed in with the kind of emo, screamo, mm-hmm. alternative themes. Um, Spirit Vessel, the EP in 2018 gets uh, really kind of tried to mess around with like heavier tones. We started using uh, F sharp tuning, um, seven string guitars, and uh, really kind of focused on like a duality between like really clean, kind of like angels and airways, kind of like dotted eighth note delay parts and uh, like clean parts and ambience mixed with like really, really heavy chug tones um, from the guitars. Um, and then, uh, that album's pretty, we actually, we actually got, uh, uh, Ryo Kinoshida from, uh, uh, Crystal Lake to feature on that one, which is pretty sick. And yeah. then, um, that band's awesome. Man, well, you know what? <laughs> you skipped, you, you skipped, I'm going to have to skip now since you missed, since you missed in, uh, Rayu. I actually got to see them in Japan. Um, they were all That's touring. Awesome. Yeah, man. And it's. It's insane, uh, uh, you know. And, and you guys, you, you guys have toured in Japan, and you, you kind of know how that that whole atmosphere is. There. Just the energy, is yeah. Just, it's like I don't, I don't know. I think I think here in the U.S. we have it too good with bands. Like we're just almost oversaturated with bands touring and stuff. Where like when you go to like other countries, like we've been to Japan, China, South mm-hmm. Korea. Um, they just they, they don't it's, it's really hard for international bands to get over there so like when they do have a band come over there they just go nuts it's it's awesome we actually had um the pleasure of uh rio actually ended up coming to uh, our last show um, in 2018 and our, our final date in japan and in, uh, in tokyo he actually surprised us and uh jumped on stage and uh, actually did angel wrath with us which was awesome and then um their first show in the united states uh in I think it was 2019. Uh-huh. We actually uh, we, we got to play with them in Philadelphia, and he also got to do a feature with us, which was uh, it was just so cool. Probably one of my favorite show moments. Just kind of seeing that guy just jump on stage out of nowhere, like not expecting him to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy the guy definitely has a lot of energy. So, how did you guys uh, get this collaboration going through for you? And 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 I took note that here when your album. Uh, um, the 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 second album, uh, back in in, in twenty sixteen, which was uh, Frigid Future, it was a, a pretty trending album in Japan. So, how how would what would you attribute that to? I honestly, I I really attribute a lot of it to just like the personal connection, like my vocalist uh, Al has with a lot of these Japanese artists out there. Like we have um. We have a bunch of friends over there in the bands. Well, I'm just going to shout out a few. Uh, Sailing Before the Wind, Pale Dusk, Fode, Mild Rage, um, Abstracts, 
all incredible bands. Um, I think it's just, uh, it just we, we got a, before we signed the Weird Triumphant back in 2015, we actually first got picked up by a Japanese, uh, a smaller Japanese label called Max Stream Records, mm. which um, really kind of paved the way for us really getting in there with uh, Japan. And then what we signed this Weird Triumphant then after that too for um, all other territories besides Japan. And uh, part of the contingency with signing the Max Stream Records was we gave them two unique B-side songs. So there's actually two more Sent Like Wolves songs that are like specific only to Japan. Um, and they're kind of hard to find. And then um, we also were going to go tour over there. And they set us up in um, Tower. They set us up with so much help from Tower Records. And uh, yeah, it just did great. They set us up with R&R tours then too. And we just were able to do really well over there. And we ended up going in 2016 with uh, the, the French band uh, Shoot the Girl First awesome band um and they invited us back then in 2018 as well as china and uh it's, it's been crazy <laughs> we're hoping to go back again we just gotta see what's going on uh, craziness yeah right now who knows what the hell that'll happen but <laughs> i know we, we just have to be patient but you know here's one interesting thing and, and maybe i'd love to pick your ear on this listening to other bands you know we talk about these japanese bands we talk about these french bands um, some some folks here in America, it's thankfully for like services like Spotify and Apple Music and all that good stuff, we're able to reach out and hear or listen to those bands. But if you really have an open mind, it's kind of quite amazing uh, the type of, of, of metal that exists outside of here, outside of the United States, outside of North America, hell, even in South America. It's it's quite amazing stuff. I love it. Even like. That's just the, like a, a thing I love about touring is just kind of getting like the culture behind all the music. Um, it's just even in the United States, even going from like different states, like there's def- definitely influences that different states mm-hmm. have. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, I'm personally really blessed uh, that we, my band's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We have like such an incredible music scene out here. Like so many people right. just pushing each other to get better and better. But um. Jap- yeah, Japanese bands are just like they're like their own animal, man. They, I remember the first time we went, but the first show we played over there, we were watching all the locals play, and oh my god, we just looked at each other and we're just like, why are we even here? <laughs> <laughs> like they just were like the energy behind them, just like ah, it was just, just crazy. We, we we straight up, I feel like leveled up at <laughs> that tour just because we had to step up so much to compete with these Japanese bands. Yeah, Cross Faith is another one that uh, it's pretty cool out there as well. Um, that, that that just brings brings the the top level energy and and, and you know it is the the fans. It's just it's a whole different reaction. And anyone listening to this, if they ever get an opportunity, whenever the hell we're able to get or feel comfortable in a plane, get out of here and go enjoy a concert um, outside of the United States because it's, it's it's quite awesome. But but back to the album, so. Did you guys produce this or write this during this whole pandemic, or was this already kind of in the oven before it started? We've actually been like we've had some of these parts pre-prod since like uh, I'd say like 2018 actually, and then we've been really writing it since 2018, mainly 2019, and then we touched it up in, uh, in like the summer of uh, 2020. But it was mainly all written in uh, 2019. It was just a matter of a. Uh, scheduling studio time it was kind of rough with the pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, and, and I know Pennsylvania had it pretty tough with the lockdown. So how were you guys able to put this stuff together going into studios? Did you go in the studio last year? Um, or, or did you guys work remotely, Zoom-wise, or, or, or any of these other uh, platforms that people have been using nowadays? Luckily, the bulk of our album was recorded in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we, we had uh, three sessions in total that we were able to get into. So that's... The first one was in the beginning of 2019. The second one, the, the main one, was uh, in the fall. And then that was pretty much completely written. Then we went in to touch up the album and like add like a few like like two instrumental songs um, in June. And that that was pretty interesting because it was just like a socially distanced uh, studio time. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just awkward? <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward. And I mean, the studio. <laughs> Where do you see now that the metacore scene going um, as of 2021? Maybe it's just me, but but it seemed kind of like slowing down, or do you think it's picking up? Metalcore is such an, an interesting genre just because everyone defines it so differently. You know, like I've heard bands like Knock Loose being considered mm-hmm. metalcore, then like bands like Sleeping with Sirens becoming like labeled as metalcore, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like such a contra- contrast, but. To me, I, I really think like the bulk of the metalcore is kind of going towards like this, uh, like kind of quote unquote newcore sound. Like, there's if you look on the Spotify, there's like a Spotify playlist called it. It's just uh, all the bands are all kind of like have this new like kind of it's almost like an arena rock mixed with like I don't know like really heavy toned guitars and ambience uh, like ambient tone parts and stuff. I, I really kind of see it going towards that. But, um, I don't know. It always keeps surprising me. Like, I mean, just because this metalcore being so broad. And, um, me personally, my favorite metalcore album of last year, I'd say, is Kingdom of Giants Passenger. Uh, mm-hmm. That album was so fresh, in my opinion. It incorporated a bunch of tropes of uh, metalcore as a whole, all put together. And I thought it was just really good. Um, I think uh, Shark Tone Records is really killing it with signings and, uh, I think Era's doing really well too with like kind of keeping metalcore really trendy and fresh and keeping the way for new things to come. Yep, yeah, because I find so too some some bands they they start off metalcore and then they they kind of lean towards another another genre of rock. Uh, one of the top of my head yeah. that I could just think of, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, right? They're mainstream. You know, they started really really dark and heavy, then they went metalcore-ish, then I don't know what the hell they went. And then it seems like they're back again. So it's kind of like they're up and down. They're changing. Yeah, their new album is incredible, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I, I, heard, like, I know people give Bring Me the Horizon a lot of shit from their kind of, like, I guess you could say inconsistency with sound. But to me, I don't really think that's the case. I think they're just kind of growing as people, as musicians, and they're just trying to kind of stay on top and do things new. Like, I mean, every time they put out an album, it basically changes the course of metalcore some way or another, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I really thought that Kingslayer song with Baby, uh, yes. Baby Metal, what a cool feature. My God. Agreed. <laughs> no, agreed. That that was, wow. 
<laughs> it's amazing it's how they like can. Re- yes, <laughs> but it, it's so cool and heavy and and with the vocals of the baby metal and then it, it's 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 all over the place. But it's definitely something new. I don't I don't something fresh. Uh, and I don't I don't know who and what can dupl- duplicate that, but it, it's definitely something uh, that caught us off guard here, and a lot of people appreciate it. But we're looking definitely. Yeah, we're definitely looking to the new album dropping in February 19th. And uh, hopefully you guys will be on stage very soon. Now, speaking of Mystic R's, any particular song that you guys are looking forward to performing live and why? Me personally, it's probably uh, our song that we put out in December called Death Effect uh, featuring uh, Brian Will of uh, Currents. Um, I just really like this song because it just like straight up comes out swinging like 180 BPM like right away. <laughs> it, like it's, it's probably the hardest song on the drums that I've written in a really long time, and uh, it's just, uh, just full of energy. Like it's probably the heaviest song that uh, the band has ever written, and I just uh, I think it's really cool. Well, Cody, and, and I can't wait to, to hopefully you guys put their Florida on your uh, on your list there of places to visit. Uh, whenever the hell we get back to, to normal, hopefully we can mosh pit with a mask, without a mask. I don't care. You know, it's, or a uh, yeah, or a bubble. <laughs> you know, they're going to have to put in, a, you know, the little bubbles that they they put people inside and they just roll around like a, like a hamster. I think they're going to have to put us in one of those. But whatever, as long as we can mosh pit, that's what's important. And we need to release a lot of this stuff that we've been holding in here. Cody, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, again, Mystic Oris drops February 19th. Ascent Like Wolves, you could check out their previous released albums back in 2013, 2016, catch up on their music, also their singles, um, and uh, check out the videos, and check out some of the merchandise as well available. I know it's always uh, good to, to share some love to you guys since you guys have been away from the stage. Anything else you want to share? Yeah, Cody, anything else you want to share? Um, no, I just appreciate anybody who listens, and uh, hopefully uh, you find something you like in this album. So definitely for all sorts of different tropes of the metalcore genre. Awesome, Cody. Well, make sure to put that air on my, on my workout list and everyone else listening in. Cody, thanks so much. Look forward to the new album. Look forward to checking you on stage very, very soon. Ascent Like Wolves. Check them out. All right, Cody, thanks so much for joining us again on the program. Really appreciate it. And everyone head on over to your favorite streaming service and listen to Ascent Like Wolves. Good stuff coming out. In fact, I just tuned into it while working out. Really hypes the hell out of me, I got to say. I-, I love just jamming to these new bands while I'm exercising. I, I really tune in and listen to the-, the music and the sounds before the interviews. But uh, I really get into it. So really, it's kind of like a... a uh, something that I have that I'm able to enjoy. All right, let's talk UFC mixed martial arts. Dustin Poirier, I have to go straight from the bat. Dustin Poirier defeated Conor McGregor in the second round. TKO. Some were surprised. I am not. Dustin Poirier has definitely cleaned up his stand-up game. Very strategic. Was not fooling around. Was not wasting his shots. Really cornered McGregor attacked his uh, calf, brought him down. That calf kick has been so great lately. You see so many fighters using it, and it really breaks down a fighter. And let me tell you, if you get kicked down in the calf, you're pretty much just out the game. 
you're not going to be lasting enough five five rounds at five minutes apiece. I'll just straight up be honest with you. And it was a great tactic. Now, McGregor uh, did not make any excuse. However, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, the current lightweight champion, uh, although he's retired, so I, we don't really know what the status is. Dana White says he might come back. We might not come back. Whatever. Let's just say that he is a champion for the time being. Called out McGregor saying that that's what you get for changing your camps. Now, physically, uh, Conor McGregor looked great. Fighting-wise, Conor McGregor just looked out of place. He was... He took a couple of shots the way he usually fights, being very aggressive and persistent. Uh, But Dustin Poirier really just countered anything that he brought against him and played the fight quite well. They both respected each other. That's a great thing. In fact, that Conor McGregor said that he will donate some of his purse to the Dustin Poirier uh, nonprofit that he was uh, supporting. So, Dustin Poirier coming out the man of the hour. Now, what is next for Conor McGregor? Conor McGregor, of course, is the face, I would say, for the UFC. He does get most of the attention. Conor McGregor is needed in the sports of mixed martial arts. Let's just be honest. He brings the attention. Not the greatest of all time, but perhaps when it comes to media and presence, yes, for for the UFC. Not much for uh, the Notorious. Uh, maybe perhaps a rematch with Nick Diaz. Dustin probably said, even said one more round, you know, one more time. They get the trilogy. They're both tied one and one. Same thing with Nick Diaz. Craiger now is now, what, 32, 33? Uh, don't know about a title run. I, I definitely. I don't think that if if even if he were to win, or he would have defeated Dustin. He would would he had a chance against Habib. Habib would have I think would have the same result. So not much. I think that whatever Connor takes, he has to be very um, very cautious with what he does. He doesn't want to obtain another loss, uh, knowing that he has that 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 trajectory of that presence. What would you like to see? Conor McGregor do next he did state that he wants to be active that he he basically blames that for his uh, performance not being active as much as you know he only fought once this is the first time he fights in a year would you see like to see him and Nick Diaz I I would not mind you know I would not mind he's a very entertaining fighter and I think that Nick Diaz is a is a great um, opponent for him they have that history why not and Dustin Poirier, man, I mean, this guy is a title bound. There's no doubt that this guy is title bound, and I would not surprise. He already was the interim champ once. I would not be surprised if he obtains that title once again. But whatever it is, it didn't impress that much to the current champ, Habib Nurmagomedov. If you recall, president of the UFC, Dana White, stated that he would return, Habib, that is, to the octagon if something impressed him uh, at the pay-per-view. But I will say this, why not? Michael Chandler had an impressive debut defeating easily Dan Hooker. And Habib, you are the GOAT right now in that division, the lightweight division. Why not make a presence, maybe get Michael Chandler fight one more time. I don't know, maybe put him up against Dustin Poirier. And the winner gets Habib. 
Why not? But Michael Chandler definitely made a statement last night defeating his opponent by TKO in a beautiful fashion. So Habib, I know you had your, your personal reasonings behind uh, your departure from the octagon, but dude, Michael Chandler, I don't know, if he didn't impress you, he sure as hell impressed the world. Maybe we do get to see that match or that fight. Michael Chandler versus Habib for the lightweight championship. We just have to be patient. That being said, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in to The Roman Show. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for the love, the support. Follow us on the socials. We'll catch you next week right here on the program. It's been happening on.